0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, presented as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlanski, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and it has been a very, very interesting seven days, really, dating back to the Letang news last Friday. But as we sit here right now, the big three are back. Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin. And Sidney Crosby, at least for the next four years, will remain Pittsburgh Penguins.
1: They will. They will. And uh, we're not even a minute into this. And I'm just going to say I have mixed feelings, ladies and gentlemen. Really? Yes. I haven't told you this because I wanted that to be a bit more of a surprise for you. Hmm. Um, I, Well, because you got to figure this. Malkin signed Tuesday night. I was already asleep. Hmm. Uh, my tired rear end went to bed early that day. Not a huge mistake. I mean, I woke up in the middle of the night because I had to... Uh, Check in for a flight. So I saw the news mm-hmm. uh at like five in the morning and was oh, I was very shocked because I spent all day Tuesday, doomsday prepping, if you will. Mm-hmm. I started looking at the positives, like, hey, you know what? This is a business. I think I understand it's a business more than the players do. That is something we can get into in a minute as well. I just looked at hey, are for the first time in sixteen years, the penguins are the penguins are gonna have money. They're gonna be able to make a splash and free agency which is fun teams don't the teams like the penguins haven't done that in so long mm-hmm. all of our big we've gone over this many a time all of our big uh acquisitions have been trades finally we're like hey you know let's go out and actually pay for someone the new ownership group is in here and is willing to spend some money and we're gonna have the room to do it sure latank hampered a little bit of that Sure, raquel hampered a little bit more of that money but a trade and then 14 maybe 18 if we're lucky or even 10 million dollars to work with can get a pretty solid 2c to make some waves make some headlines for the city i just began doomsday prepping that's all that Mm -hmm. i I became okay with the detachment of malkin i just had come to come to accept it really um that was about it and then whenever i woke up i saw that and i went oh that's not what i was expecting and then I saw the more details and I duly, I do truly wonder, do these guys know it's a business? Do these guys understand it's a business? Because I wrote in one of my articles and I closed it with, quite honestly at this point, if Malkin is holding out because we offered him what he wanted, which mm-hmm. he did accept, 4 million 6.1. We offered him that according to multiple, you know, multiple conflicting but also confirmed reports. Uh, Brian Burke said himself that that is what they offered him. Um, Whenever he turned that down, I figured we offered him what he wanted. He let Mm -hmm. emotions get involved. He felt hurt. Yet, all these guys always talk about... I understand what you're about to say. All these guys talk about how they understand it's a business. If that is the max the Penguins were willing to give him, if he wanted more, then that's not good for business. Mm -hmm. These guys say they understand it's a business. Apparently, Sidney Crosby got involved. Listen, I love all these guys to death, but... They say a thousand times that it's a business. Sidney Crosby himself said that he doesn't get involved with roster stuff. He just did. Now again, I get he's Sidney Crosby and he has that pull. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, and I'm in no way bashing these guys. But it is a business. I said at the end of my story, letting Malkin walk might be what's best for business if he was holding out for more than six point one million. And guess what? We got him at six point one, so I'm not that mad. I don't like that it's yeah. four years. That's just me though. Well, here's the
0: thing with that as well. I don't know if you could ke- technically call it a holdout on Malcolm's no. part. I think he was probably frustrated, as we've seen some reports by that. I know Rob Rossi wrote an entire article about that late last week. That Malcolm was frustrated. He was disrespected. And you don't have to have actually talked to Evgeny Malkin on a personal level to realize that he's a very emotional human being. Just watch the way he's played for the past 16 seasons. We always talk about the red mist Malkin, how people can get under his skin. That's because he is highly emotional, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It can lead to some very successful play on the ice. It can also lead to some issues. But we know he's emotional, so we know that even though They came out and eventually did offer him what he wanted. He didn't want it to come to this. He didn't want it to get to the point where it was even at the end of the season. So yeah, he got a little fed up. But as Hunter Hodes, and I know he had Josh Yowie of The Athletic on his show yesterday locked on Penguins, as they talked about... They believed that cooler heads could prevail, and they could return to the table before the deadline, which was the opening of the free agent market on Wednesday. And that's exactly what happened, as was reported by Pierre LeBrun. The two sides met again at 4 p.m. on Tuesday afternoon and stayed there for about six hours at the negotiating table until everything was ironed out. It was probably basically a therapy session and/or just a negotiation of where that clause was going to be. And it ended up being a full no move clause for the duration of the four year, $6.1 million contract. Is that what gives you pause Horwat? that you don't like the full no move clause? Didn't even
1: know there was a clause. What gives me pause really is, like I said, I love these guys to death. I do. And I mm-hmm. truly appreciate that Malkin's going to retire Penguin. I truly appreciate that Latane going to retire Penguin. And I truly appreciate that Sid's going to do the same in a couple years. There's nothing wrong with any of that. In fact, it will be a great story for us to look back on in our elder ages and say, like, we got to watch that for 20-plus years of our lives. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. The Josh question came out where he said, what's more important, winning another cup or having the three retire uh, Penguins? And genuinely, I was torn by that. Like, I want to see us win, and it just doesn't seem like we can do that with these three. I mean, I'm sure we can. And, I'm, and both is a great answer to that question. Mm-hmm. But what gives me pause is the way Malkin let the emotions get involved, the way Sidney Crosby had to get involved now. It is it is them. And again, like I said, I get it. They, because, sure, they understand the business, but they want to do what's best for their business as well because they are also businessmen. Mm-hmm. And so there, it's it's a lot of business back and forth. So maybe I'm kind of just talking in circles with this, but the meddling that players do in this. Because apparently Sidney Crosby had to fly to Florida to make sure his buddy was okay. He had to. Uh, I haven't. I have to look back into it. I thought I saw a tweet in the middle of the night that said that like uh he talked, he gapped the bridge between Hextall and Malkin for them to start talking again. Don't know a lot going on at the Crosby part, but I mean Crosby said himself before he doesn't get involved in roster stuff. Well, here's the now thing he though does. with Sidney Crosby. Exactly. Yeah. It, Don't get me wrong. It, he can do what he wants. Like I said. Everyone here is a business. The Penguins, Evgeny Malkin, and Sidney Crosby. They're all businesses themselves. Mm-hmm. They all make way more than we will ever see in our lives. So <laughs> yes. they are allowed to do that. That is their business. And, and the only pause I get is these guys are getting old. The mm-hmm. team does have to stay good in reality. This, Fenway does not want to see a bad team on the ice. So for what it's worth, Fenway themselves do believe as well that these three guys can get it done together. That's mm-hmm. a – honestly, that's a boost of confidence for me. Um, what's really fun, though, is I'm scrolling Twitter as we record because there's just a lot going on still. Yes. Um, according to Mike DeFabo, the the four-year uh, contract has been on the table for about a week. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? You see where I'm coming from with this now? Like, Why has that offer been on the table for a week?
0: And- well, the – the four years has been on the table, but that doesn't answer the question, did they lower the AAV once they put the four years on? That might be another another little entity to that. Let
1: me finish the quote. The four-year $24.4 oh. $4 million contract has been on the table for oh. about a week. Oh, well, then, so,
0: then it might have come down to the clauses then.
1: It may have. I, again, like, I don't know anything about the clauses. I haven't even looked at that yet. I kind Or even assumed... the contract
0: structure itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of look
0: at the what if you look at the actual money on it, I believe he makes one million dollars in the fourth year of that as salary, and three and a half as far as uh signing bonus. So he's only making four and a half million dollars in year four, a year that a lot of people were given pause on, including the Pittsburgh Penguins. So if you look at the structure of the contract. That might be the reasoning. I mean, we know none of us were in the negotiating room, so there's a lot of different different aspects. It's not as easy as, hey, term and year, and then we'll get this done. There's a lot of other things that are involved in that. But I do want to answer a couple of things to what you've been saying. One, Sidney Crosby, I understand that he has said multiple times he does not get involved in stuff like this. But when it's the 11th hour with a player like Evgeny Malkin in his stature playing with this organization for 16 years, Sidney Crosby saved his silver bullet for one chance, and he just used it. And that's the thing. I doubt we ever see that again because of the stage that the Penguins and those players are currently in. So Crosby saved that silver bullet and he used it whenever he absolutely 100% needed to. And that was to bridge the gap. And we don't know how involved he actually got, but reports are that he got involved in some way. And in the other, on the other hand, when I talk about Malkin and his four-year contract, 6.1 million, you're talking about a guy that ended up taking a pay cut like he said he would, taking a, a handsome pay cut as well, going from 9.5 down to six point one is a very severe pay cut for a guy that was still over a point a game while still rehabbing a second major knee surgery on the same knee. So I really think the Penguins got Malkin on a good deal. I understand that the back end of this deal might not be pretty. It might not be. He'll be, what, 39 years old at that point? But at the end of the day, what is the most important thing? And I said this to you a couple episodes ago. The best opportunity to win is the next opportunity to win for Sidney Crosby. And the Penguins, specifically Evgeny Malkin, will still be really good this season.
1: Yeah, in the short term, but for the three of them, you know, the Crosby, the Malkin, the Letang, it's a good deal. This is good. It, mm-hmm. I do believe that if all three of the big deals that were signed recently, uh, Letang, Malkin, and you can throw Raquel in there, mm-hmm. I do believe they're a little too long i really do I, I did but that's just my outsider opinion that is just me looking at it going they are old for the love of god you signed them for a long time on paper mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to sign either of those two or those three for that matter uh for that long raquel i think is mm-hmm. going to be fine i'm we'll talk about that i'm super excited about ricard raquel um, mm-hmm. but again just the back half of all three of these deals just seems long mm-hmm. now again i get it it's It is the business. Everyone's trying to do what's best for their business. And for what it's worth, for the next at least two seasons, we're going to have a fun team to watch again. Yeah. And that's going to be damn well worth it because I wanted wanted Raquel to stay on this team more than I did Brian Rust. And now we have them both again. Mm -hmm. Oh, There's been a lot of talk of how bad Ron Hextall has been this offseason. So far, I think his only negative – outright negative move has been the casey Desmith signing and even that's not terrible
0: no because if you look at the, what the market's going to be that's a pretty good signing yeah. for a backup goaltender yeah
1: absolutely and his skills decent i just there are negatives to each deal but mm-hmm. that's his biggest complaint so far this summer we don't have to talk about jeff carter we don't <laughs> you said this summer I, Exactly. that was before this summer. i said this summer <laughs> um and honestly if malkin's feeling hurt about uh, Jeff Carter maybe getting a contract mid-season and not him. Hey, you know what? You have every right to be mad. Take it to the 11th hour, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I, I just – I'm seeing the positives and negatives and everything. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm excited for the next two years. I really hope Malkin can stay healthy. I really hope Latang can continue his play. I really hope Raquel plays on the first line. And, man, I hope Sidney Crosby resigns for six years after the end of his deal. <laughs> Nine more years of Crosby would be
0: interesting. But as far as Evgeny Malkin, let's close the book on him because we've talked about him. I'm sure we'll continue to talk about Evgeny Malkin for the weeks to come leading up to the training camp. But there are a couple milestones that he will probably now hit with the Pittsburgh Penguins. The first and foremost one, he is 19 games away from game number 1,000. Would become the second player in Penguins history to play 1,000 games all with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He would reach that on November 20th in a game against the Chicago Blackhawks in Chicago as long as he doesn't miss any games to start the season. The game after that would be three days later at PPG Paints Arena where we would presume the celebration for his 1,000th game would be against the Calgary Flames. So game number 1,000 could come early in the season before Thanksgiving. He is 40 penalty minutes away. From becoming the Pittsburgh Penguins' all-time leader in penalty minutes, Kevin Stevens currently has that throne at 1,048 penalty minutes. Evgeny Malkin enters the season with 1,008. So he's 40 penalty minutes away, we assume. He'll probably come close to, if not pass, Kevin Stevens this upcoming season. By and then another another halfway
1: mark of the season.
0: <laughs> probably. He'll take like a major penalty in week number two, and we'll be like, well, he's there yeah. almost. And the other one that's coming up but probably won't happen this season, and if it does, it's absolutely ridiculous, is that he is 56 goals away from career goal number 500, something we saw Sidney Crosby eclipse last season. It'll probably take two or three more seasons, but with a four-year contract and a no-move clause, we will most likely see Malkin reach that milestone in a Penguins uniform.
1: Another underrated one, uh, Chris Letang is 59 away from 1,000 games. So there could be a couple big celebrations for one – for these three, all of a sudden, now we're looking at it as, oh, look, all three of them get to celebrate their 1,000th game in Pittsburgh. There is a lot of emotion that goes into this, into these guys and they, sticking around. I get it. Yeah, and, and
0: they become the only three. Yeah. So they're the big three. They're the only three to accomplish that feat. So the Penguins, as of right now, should see Malkin, Crosby, and Latang all play in the city of Pittsburgh for at least 20 years. And have achieved at least three Stanley Cups—an incredible run.
1: That's, yeah, it's it is incredible stuff. Like I said, we will be able to look back on it, no matter how these guys do for the closing ends of their for the closing contracts of their careers. Um, it won't matter because we'll be able to look at it as we got to see three generational talents play at the same time for twenty years on the same team. It's not necessarily what the Capitals are doing now, which is we don't care about a cup anymore. We just want Ovechkin to do the thing. <laughs> we're looking at it as at least our team is still competitive with these guys for a couple more seasons Mm. can we keep getting to keep getting to the playoffs can we hit 20 years which i think that should be the main goal at this point well stanley cup involved yes but maybe try and make it to that 20 year mark that 20 consecutive years in the playoffs yeah Um, i know it's five back of the recent detroit red wings one but they kind of scampered in uh, for the last few but let the penguins hit that 20 mark and then have only that one asterisk with the bubble. I think that sounds like a well, good idea.
0: And here's the thing. That would be a nice feather in their cap, but the main goal is another Stanley Absolutely. Cup Absolutely.
1: the yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Stanley Cup involved in all of that. But, like, mm. continue to be the successful team, go down in history as one of the greatest trios in the game. I mean, has any other trio – they're all going to play together for 20 years. Has any other trio played 20 years together? I don't think in professional sports. Has any other trio played 10 years together? <laughs> like, it's. We, yes, no, but, trio. I mean, but I, I, trio, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: I feel like Duncan Keith, Patrick Kane, and Jonathan Tate's got at least 10.
1: Yeah, I'm sure, like, But I would put R3 over their three. Any day of the week. Well, yeah. Any day I, of the week.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would just because of the top end of Malkin and, and Crosby. And I think Latang. I know Duncan Keith is, you know, first ballot hall of Famer is what people are talking about because he retired earlier this week, but I wouldn't put Letang too much further behind him. I mean, I know he doesn't have the Norris trophies. I know he doesn't have the the top end ability. I know he wasn't told to be this great from the age of 12, like Duncan Keith was, but Chris Letang's career side by side, very similar to what we've seen from Duncan Keith, but we're going to take a quick break. When we return, there were a couple other signings that happened earlier this week and we'll talk about it right after this ad break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast presented as always by InsideThePenguins.com. This is a quick insert for this episode of the podcast due to the fact that me and Horwat recorded earlier in the day on opening day of free agency due to a scheduling conflict. So here I'm going to run down every single signing by general manager Ron Hextall for the Pittsburgh Penguins that happened on opening day on Wednesday, July 13th. Early in the day, right after that noon start time, the Pittsburgh Penguins acquired Xavier Willette to a two-year deal worth $762,000 per season at the NHL level. Now, this is a two-way deal, meaning whenever he is at Wilkes-Barre Scranton in the AHL, he will be making less than that $762,000, but that's basically what he is. Willette is a depth Wilkes-Barre-Scranton defenseman. He's a journeyman. He's played on multiple different teams in multiple different organizations. He's a nice piece to have in case of emergency. Break the glass and bring up Xavier willette It just adds to the Pittsburgh Penguins' depth at defense, and it adds to what seems to be their phenomenal depth. On the left side of the defense, obviously already having Brian Doomlin, Marcus Pedersen, Mike Matheson, P.O. Joseph, and now Xavier Willette. So depth ended up being the key phrase and the key term for Ron Hextall on opening day of free agency as he basically made all five moves in accordance to help with the depth. And another one of those moves that came just about an hour ago into free agency, was the Penguins signing goaltender Dustin Tokarski. Now, Tokarski previously played for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins back in the 2019-20 season, but has generally just been an AHL journeyman as well. So there's definitely a pattern in the first couple of signings for Ron Hextall yesterday. Signing Tokarski to a one-year deal worth $775,000 at the NHL level. He's basically been brought in to be a third goaltender. And while we can't really scoff at that based on what we saw happen to the Pittsburgh Penguins in the 2021 postseason, sorry, excuse me, the 2022 NHL postseason, but you don't expect to see much of Dustin Tokarski next season. At least, knock on wood, you hope you don't see much of Dustin Tokarski next season. But what he essentially does is replace the spot that Louis Deming held for the Pittsburgh Penguins last season. Deming, of course, departing for the New York Rangers. I guess he really enjoyed that spicy pork and broccoli. But the Penguins replace him with Tokarski, somebody who's been in the organization before, who's played in Wilkes-Barre before, and he will undoubtedly be one of the three main starters down in Wilkes-Barre. For next season, along with youngsters, Joel Blomqvist, as well as Philip Lindberg. The biggest signing of the day was right-handed defenseman Jan Ruda, who comes to the Pittsburgh Penguins via the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's been on the roster for the last three seasons, which means he is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Ron Hextall signed him for three years at $2.75 million per season. And while, yes, the Pittsburgh Penguins now, as Danny Shiree of DK Pittsburgh Sports pointed out in the press conference with Ron Hextall yesterday, yes, the Penguins do have nine NHL defensemen if you include P.O. Joseph into that, which presumably the Pittsburgh Penguins will be counting him into that this season if Joseph can earn himself a spot at training camp. But the signing of Ruta makes nine and it figures that one of them is probably going to get traded. Whenever I saw this addition, the first thing that came to my mind is, wow, he's a right-handed defenseman. Ron Hexall's potentially helping himself in case he needs to get rid of John Marino. This move makes it that much more possible that Marino ends up being the defenseman that gets moved out. And while Ruda is not quite, I would say, as good of an asset... As John Marino, Marino also gets paid over $2 million more than him and is signed on for a couple more seasons than Jan Ruda. I believe Marino has five years left on that current deal in which he makes $4.4 million. So not quite $2 million, but Hextall would shed about one and a half, a little over $1.5 million on the salary cap if that's who he gets rid of. But even if that's the case... Then the Penguins have Letang, Ruda, and Ruedel on the right side, but still no spot for Pio Joseph on the left. So there's a really good chance, especially considering 9 is a very high number of NHL defensemen, and they signed Xavier Ouellette, so if you want to clump him in to that grouping, they have 10 players capable of playing at the NHL level and proven to be able to play at the NHL level. So maybe there's two defensemen that end up getting traded before the start of training camp, or at least before the start of the NHL regular season. So we might see both John Marino and Marcus Pedersen get moved, or maybe even Brian Dumlin gets moved. But it seems as if the Pittsburgh Penguins, who were reportedly trying to make a trade all of yesterday on the opening day of free agent, are going to try and get rid of one or potentially multiple defensemen on the back end to open up Some salary cap space. They also signed Josh Archibald, bringing him back. Former Pittsburgh Penguin Josh Archibald, who didn't play very much in his first stint in Pittsburgh. I believe he only finished with 14 total games in the regular season, as well as four playoff games in 2017. So he is a Stanley Cup champion. Most recently, he had a stint for three seasons with the Edmonton Oilers. Last year, he didn't play too much due to a medical condition called myocarditis, which is a heart condition caused commonly by patients that have suffered from COVID-19. Archibald is unvaccinated, so he would not be able, as of right now, to play in any games north of the border, which would make it interesting if he made the roster out of camp because just about a week into the season, the Pittsburgh Penguins head out to Western Canada for a three-game trip that concludes with a fourth game down in Seattle. So an interesting signing there, bringing back Josh Josh Archibald on a one-year deal worth $900,000. The terms of that deal, as far as one-way or two-way, were not released. I wasn't able to find it. I would imagine it is a two-way contract. I don't see why Josh Archibald would warrant a a one-way deal. Last year, he played because of that health condition, he only played in eight games and recorded one assist, so I would imagine that this comes in at a two-way deal, but nonetheless, Josh Archibald, right winger, rejoins the Pittsburgh Penguins organization, and then right before the end of the day, snuck in at the very end was another signing by the Pittsburgh Penguins as they brought on Drake Kajula, the journeyman center, on a one-year $750,000 contract, that is confirmed to be a two-way deal. Honestly, you're just looking at some center depth. I think this is in accordance to the fact that we're probably not going to see Evan Rodriguez return to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And if there's an injury at center, then you're going to need somebody that has NHL experience. You're not going to want to have to be forced to play a guy like a Philip Hollander if need be in that center role. So Kajula comes in as presumably the fifth or sixth center in the organization. Somebody with NHL experience and somebody who also, just like Archibald, missed a majority of last season. Kajula only played in 18 games last year for the Buffalo Sabres due to a herniated disc that ended his year early, and he is currently rehabbing that injury. But that is the update on the five free agents the Pittsburgh Penguins brought into the organization on the opening day of free agency. I'm going to take another quick break, and when I return, more talk. About the Pittsburgh Penguins signings of Ricard Raquel as well as P.O. Joseph. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Of course, we talked about the re signing of Evgeny Malkin and the rejoining of the three Musketeers, the three best friends that anyone could have Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, and Sidney Crosby for at least. The Next four seasons, but there were other signings that were made by general manager Ron Hextall earlier this week ahead of the opening of the free agent market. Let's talk about the bigger one to start and that's Ricard Raquel signing for six years at $5 million a year. The NHL trade deadline was the time that Raquel came over from the Anaheim Ducks, and the Penguins re-upped him now for six years. He played really well with Sidney Crosby last year. He played okay with Vivgeny Malkin. But Horwat, what do you believe Raquel should be doing at the start of next season as far as his line deployment?
1: Uh, Playing on the first line.
0: Yep, that's pretty obvious. (laughs) That's pretty obvious. I mean, I wrote an entire article on it, and I was writing it and saying, well, most people will have already known this. But let's always state the obvious In case people don't know the obvious, but yeah, Ricard Raquel should be playing with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel for that matter, because that line in just over 91 minutes of time on ice in the regular season last year accounted for 61% of the expected goals for 68% of the scoring chances, 64% of the high danger chances and allowed zero high danger goals while on the ice together. Short sample size in just 91 minutes but still, very impressive stuff from Raquel, Crosby, and Gensel.
1: That's great stuff. That's stuff you want to see. He, he, we know Raquel can play. I think when we got him, we discussed it uh, many a time, too. It was discussed all around on that trade. Um, Raquel's going to come in and be the guy for Malkin. That's why – or we got him to play with Malkin. Well, guess what? He can play with Crosby. It's like It was like the Kessel deal. We got him to play with Crosby. He's going to play better with Malkin. Um, or Benino somehow. It's <laughs> the guys we trade for; they never actually end up playing with the guys we wanted them to. And I think this is just another case of it with Raquel. We wanted him to be Malkin's line mate, but now guess what? He can be Crosby's and be better because Brian Rust should be hitting a consistent stride going into the age of thirty, um, and playing alongside Evgeny Malkin. That gives Malkin a consistent line mate to play with, and we've seen it before. They can do it. Mm-hmm. It just makes the most sense to have Raquel as the uh, on the first line, mm-hmm.
0: especially when you consider how good Brian rust was with Evgeny Malkin back in 2019, 20, which was realistically Brian rust's coming out party as a top scorer for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He scored 27 goals that season. It was a career high and he played over 600 minutes at five on five with Evgeny Malkin of, I believe he played only like 800 or 900 minutes at five on five that season. So we've seen the sample size with rust and Malkin and it's very, very impressive. So there's no reason that Raquel shouldn't be playing with Sidney Crosby. A big thing that was made of this deal was the term for Ricard Raquel. We both agree that Ricard Raquel is a fantastic player. He's a top six guy. He should be on the Penguins' top line and should fit in nicely. And at $5 million, that's a great number. But the six years has given a lot of people pause. Horwath, how worried are you about the
1: term of this deal for Raquel? So, honestly, I look at six and I go, that's the type of deal a 29-year-old is going to get. It is. He's going to get six years. because mm-hmm. um, That just makes sense for a 29-year-old who's already been on a couple of teams now. Uh, man, I. you look at our contracts on Cap Friendly, you hit the clauses button, and all of a sudden everyone has a clause now, and it gets a little worrisome. Um, but Raquel's is small. I think it's eight teams. Uh, you can work with that. So it's not the total worst. You are able to move them if you need to, and mm-hmm. just uh, it looks interesting. I do. I don't mind the term. I don't because it's movable, mm-hmm. albeit a little handicapped. It is still movable. I just uh, I think he's a good player. I I wanted him yeah. back more than anything. If um the term I I I'd stumble on the term. I do. <laughs> Mm -hmm. because the longer i look at it the longer i go okay he is 29 and six years makes so much sense for a 29 year old across the market yeah it is just a matter of he needs a bigger sample size here Mm -hmm. he does i would have said maybe four years is a good starting point yeah and that that extra two does become an issue but we'll see what he does it's Mm movable but we'll see what he does
0: and here's the thing. Whenever I first saw six years for Ricardo Raquel, I said, wow, that is way too long. But then you start to think about it. No, I don't know what a 35-year-old Ricardo Raquel
1: is going to look like. I don't know what a 30-year-old I, Ricardo Raquel is going to look like. He's only 29. He's played, what, like 20 games here? 19 in the
0: regular season, 2 in the playoffs. So, yeah, 21 games. So, when I think about it, and I think about Ricardo Raquel, I'm like, okay, I don't know what he's going to look like at the age of 35. But what I do know is the NHL salary cap by the time that contract is in its fifth and sixth year is going to be up substantially. Yes. I know that Jack Johnson's buyout clauses will be wiped out by then. So that's another factor. I also know that because of how low this contract is, as far as the money is concerned, the percentage that it's going to take of the salary cap is going to be very low, not very low, but it's going to be much lower by the time this contract is over. And what's one other thing that i know that a couple of years ago the pittsburgh penguins signed brandon tanev to a six-year deal for three and a half million dollars and guess what if you ask anybody around pittsburgh did they like the brandon tanev experiment experiment i know it ended early but did you like brandon tanev on that team were you okay with the six-year deal three years in before he was taken by seattle so when he had three years left, I, I know that it's a, it's a little bit of a push, but still Brandon Tanev was a fourth liner at best third liner. And Ricard Raquel is a guy that is not only a top right wing for your team, but he's a guy that has excelled in over 90 minutes of time with that top line. Not just, Hey, they're pretty good, but Hey, they're extremely good together. Now I know that's not going to maintain for six years, but for the next couple and i'll say it again the next chance is the best chance and your best chances with the ricardo raquel to get him at five million i'm okay with the six-year term
1: that's fine because he because he every player we just re-signed to could have gone out and gotten more money somewhere else mm-hmm. that is the thing about all this yeah that we're forgetting that each and every one of them that all the way down to the casey to smith each and every one of these players that we just re-signed Rust, I'm trying to, I'm going to try and do it in order. <laughs> Rust, I've already forgotten the order. Casey. Uh, Raquel Latang Raquel. <laughs> Joseph Malkin. Well, yeah. Okay. yeah. Honestly, if Joseph had had to take a walk, he would have probably made a little more somewhere else. Each and every one of these guys could have made way more in other cities. So, let's put the let's put to rest the Wanting Ron Heckstall in prison. Let's put to rest the firing talks and just look at—he did a decent job. Are we all ecstatic about it? Some of us might not be, just because again we want what's best for business, and that is finding younger guys to perform at the same or better level. Mm -hmm. But he got each and every one of these guys back at a lower number than they would have gotten somewhere else. It is the Sidney Crosby school of thought, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to class. And listen, I know Sidney Crosby doesn't get involved with roster construction that often Uh, but he doesn't have to whenever you see his name there and he's the one making 8.7 and is not Mm -hmm. going any higher because that one factor that we did not talk about this entire time is whenever all these guys are discussing their numbers do any of them deserve more than Sidney Crosby the answer is usually no Mm -mm. now Sidney Crosby just took a small deal so so people could do stuff like this and now it's working out Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sidney Crosby's deal that he signed in whatever year it was, 2002 it feels like, um, is paying off in spades 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sid. and That's why he's one of the greatest of all time, but that's only for the Penguins, though, by the way. Because we know guys are going to go out and make $10 million in a couple, in a couple hours. Mm-hmm. We know by the time you're listening to this, people have already made $10 million. Yeah. So... I don't know I think it's just a ton of fun that we look at Crosby's number and we go no one should be making more than that now on this team at least unless someone comes along and is well we don't have the space for it so I'll stop there yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's going to be somebody coming in for ten million dollars adding to this current roster unless something absolutely drastic, one of the biggest trades in the history of the sport, happens. So I, I think you can say it's pretty safe to assume Crosby will have the highest AAV on the Pittsburgh Penguins next season. But from somebody that's making $8.7 million next year to somebody that's going to make $825,000 next year, let's talk a little bit about P.O. Joseph because the restricted free agent signed with the Penguins earlier this week to a two-year deal. I already mentioned it at $825,000 a year. The one interesting caveat, as we talked about on Monday's episode, this will be a one-way deal for P.O. Joseph, meaning that he will make the same amount if he's playing in the NHL as if he's playing... In the AHL for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, Horwath. Which right-handed defenseman would you want to see Joseph play with this season if he makes the team out of
1: camp? Out of camp, uh, probably John Marino. Mm-hmm. Give him his chance. I wrote a whole thing about why he should uh, get a raise. I think he technically did. I don't remember the he numbers. He did. He did. A small Te- raise. Technically got a raise. Um. Mm-hmm. I absolutely think he should be in the NHL lineups and second line with John Marino just to give him some ice time and get him some work. I think Marino or Rui, it'll make the most sense. Cause I'm assuming Rui, it going to up being the third line, right? Again, mm-hmm. uh, nothing wrong with that. So I just think John Reno makes a ton of sense because I don't want him on the first line yet. No, 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 still too young. I also don't want Mike Matheson on that first line yet. I don't, um... I don't. I, I'm at so, the point of shipping off both Dumoulin and Pedersen, and finding someone else to go in there if we can. Finding somebody else, finding
0: somebody else as a top pairing left-handed defenseman.
1: Yeah, I know. Things get things just got really hard all of a sudden. Yeah, it's complicated. You ship out eight million dollars on top of the four we already have. well, Suddenly, you got twelve million dollars to work with.
0: Yeah, but the bigger need is on the forward side. If you're if you're shipping out a defenseman, it is in order to bring back a bottom six forward that is actually pretty good.
1: Yeah, and then yeah, maybe that's part of one of the deals So maybe it's not twelve million. Maybe now it's around I don't know six, mm-hmm. maybe a little more seven. You could find a left-handed defenseman for seven million dollars out there. I mean, Letang's only making six.
0: That's cutting off your nose despite your face, though. You're you're cutting <clears throat> out two yes, defensemen I, at that point that are plus four million dollars, and that's the problem we've all been talking about. And you're bringing in somebody more expensive.
1: If it means they're a better player,
0: <laughs> I mean. That, that, that's a large gap right there that you're taking. But a, in my opinion, to answer the, the question, I would like to see him with John Marino. Yes. I would like to see P.O. Joseph become a steady top four defenseman this year. I don't know if that's going to happen right away, though. I mean, I know that everybody's very excited for P.O. Joseph. Everybody wants him to pan out because he's a really great guy. He's fantastic on and off the ice. But I don't know if his skill level is quite there yet to where I think he will be a consistent top four defenseman. Throughout the majority of the season, maybe by the end of the year, he's progressed to that point. But I think it's a really good spot for him if you can deploy him on the third pairing with Chad Ruweedle simply because Ruweedle has proven over the years, and especially last season, which was the first year that he was able to become a full-time player, that he's very consistent and he's very steady as a defensive force for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's not going to go out there and be top four anytime soon, but he's a great third pairing right shot defenseman. And for somebody like Pio Joseph, who's going to come up and want to move the puck, he's going to want to be involved in the offense, to have that guy there, that stable presence in Chad Ruweedle, and to also be sheltered a little bit with the minutes and with the matchups, I think that's the perfect spot for Pio Joseph. I'd love to see him and Marino. That would be an electric factory defensive pairing. But I think the best spot for Joseph, if he makes it to the NHL roster right away, is to play with Chad Ruedel.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> I do agree with that as well. Just he can't be on the first line yet, obviously. Um, and I also just want to keep uh, Matheson off of our first line as well. See, I, I don't get that. I don't. I don't
0: get that. It wasn't. It wasn't amazing last year, but I think it proved that it it could be
1: somewhat stable. Could be. It could be. I just the two offensive. Sure, Latang does both, but the two off, most offensive minded defensemen on your squad on the same line. That just sounds like a dream to opposing offenses. (laughs) But here's the thing.
0: Letang, and we always mention this, he is so vastly underrated for his defensive style. Yes, he he does turn the puck over. That's because he takes chances. But he is still a very good
1: defensively-minded defenseman, too. You're right. No, you're right. He is. I'm just... I just get lost in watching those two on the same line sometimes. Yeah. Plus, Mike Madsen has gotten better this year been better in a lower role
0: he is when he's when he's playing against lesser talent by lesser talent I mean opposing third and fourth lines he can really take advantage because of his speed and his agility but I I wouldn't discount the way Mike Matheson has been able to play with with Chris Letang that's for sure
1: yeah I don't know the whole defense (laughs) still needs work yeah it's gonna be interesting you
0: have to kind of throw it in a blender especially if you're gonna try to instill P.O. Joseph up there, and who knows if the current six defensemen that are the Penguins' top six make it to the season. Some of us expect by the time this episode is out that there could be one of them that have already been traded, but at the same exact time, when you're looking at what you have right now, if P.O. Joseph is taken into that lineup, I like him with Ruedel. I like Dumoulin taking a lesser role and maybe going with Marino, and I don't mind Matheson and Letang. Now, I know we've talked about it a lot, but As of right now, if that's what the Penguins end up deploying, and that is, of course, with Marcus Pedersen being the guy that gets traded, then I would not hate that heading into the season. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it either. There's still plenty of stuff to talk about, and we have plenty of time to talk about it because the NHL season and the Pittsburgh Penguins season doesn't start for another three months. Training camp will start presumably in about two months. We don't have the dates for that yet. But we'll have plenty to talk about the next couple of months. Let's move over and finish this episode off with our shout-outs and call-outs. I want to start this off because it kind of goes straight along with the Penguins talk. I want to shout out Matt Murray because he was traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs earlier this week. He struggled a lot in his tenure with the Ottawa Senators with injuries and inconsistency bouts. But at times, he looked very good. He kind of looked like the old Matt Murray in certain games he gets a chance to play on a really good Toronto Maple Leafs team next season. I would love to see him regain his form from 2016 and 2017 when he won back-to-back Stanley cups, because very often do you see these goaltenders that, Hey, they're Stanley cup winning goaltenders. But then you remember they haven't had much of a career since then. Well, that's been Matt Murray. And I would love nothing more than to see him get his game back on track in the six up in Toronto.
1: So can I, uh, can I hit you with something here? I, uh, you I can wrote... hit me with anything, but a slap to the face. Uh, Fair enough I wrote the Leafs down as my call out today so really because what are you doing signing Matt Murray <laughs> trading for Matt Murray also as you look at their cap family, they have no other goalie on the roster well they're gonna have to they're gonna have to sign somebody else yeah and a, I in my haze of looking at tweet notifications this mm-hmm. morning this morning I was trying to uh, Uh, did the thing for my flight and there was just a bunch of malkin notifications i thought i saw one slip in there that said that the Leafs were re-signing jack campbell no didn't okay so i just made that one up got it i i
0: I know they they might try to but it it seemed like when they got flurry that they're not going to get
1: jack campbell because he might make as high as five by five but go ahead yeah murray but yes he said uh but (laughs) still man as you look at their roster right now you see no other goalies but matt murray uh, that's scary. Mm-hmm. I just, man, you want to do what's best for business. I wouldn't say trading for Matt Murray is one of them. But um, I don't know. I just don't like it. Uh, Matt right. Murray's a great guy. We understand that Matt Murray went mm-hmm. through a lot of stuff here. Mm-hmm. We probably didn't treat him correctly as a fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and he deserves so much better. I think the Leafs will be able to give him better. Absolutely. There'll be a defense in front of him. Um, but I just don't know if his career is gonna go back to normal. Also, you're still paying a ton of money for what could be your backup. 4.687? Ooh. Ooh, that's a lot of money. for. Mm-hmm. You know, they did extensive research into his history. Good, mm-hmm. they did their due diligence but i don't know it just seems questionable to me and you have a team that can do so much more you just need a goalie i don't know what happened i also didn't didn't think jack campbell was going to cut it as the full-time starter either um but i mean he was he was an
0: all-star last year
1: yeah off of what two good months because he was bad for a while yeah but we'll see the leafs are just always an enigma well, I feel, like,
0: I feel like they made that move because they knew they weren't going to be able to re-sign Campbell, and it, it, all intents and purposes, it seems like the Washington Capitals are the team that Darcy Kemper is going to end up going to. Cam Talbot getting traded to, to Ottawa. It didn't seem like Talbot was even on, on the block a couple of days ago, so the goaltending market is interesting, and I don't think Toronto wanted to be left without a goalie whenever they're the second highest ranked team when it comes to, to Stanley cup odds next year. I think they wanted to get their goalie and be able to focus on other areas.
1: Yeah. Hey, want we'll to talk about another call out here just to throw it in there. With the capitals. They currently don't have a goalie on the roster. Oh, I have never a, seen that on cap friendly.
0: That is a bold strategy. Cotton. Forwards,
1: defense, injured reserve. What?
0: Yeah. Trading Vitek Vanacek and then just not tendering an offer to Ilya Samsonov. Yeah. What? Interesting. Inter- interesting choices, but I-, I assume that was your your call-out, correct, on the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, so. and we're going to toss the
1: caps in there for fun.
0: Okay, and toss the caps in for fun because of goaltending mischievousness. Uh, what is your shout-out this week, Horwath?
1: Uh, this- my shout-out this week is the reason why I'm wearing a Penn State T-shirt, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this one's family tie-in. Uh, my little brother, Mason, uh, committed to Penn State to pitch in D1 baseball. Uh, just a proud big brother. I can remember when he was – Young, playing in baseball leagues with kids two, three, four years older than him, and he was mm-hmm. still the best one out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been able to see him play a lot lately, but he's been traveling a lot and doing the thing, his stuff on uh, – I forget what that place is called, but uh, some training facilities tweeting out his stuff all the time, and it's impressive stuff. Um, so everyone, if you watch college baseball, start watching the growing Penn State Nittany Lions mm-hmm. uh, for a family – that, uh, had a ton of Pitt students, and Pitt graduates, me mm-hmm. not included, but almost everyone else. Uh, Penn state feels weird. This feels I'm, very weird.
0: Uh, I'm sure it does. <laughs> I mean, I've known you for seven years now. Yeah. What is it? 2022. I've known you for seven years. I think I've met Mason twice
1: and I've never <laughs> once, uh, not called Penn state a cult.
0: Yeah. You've, you've constantly <laughs> remained steadfast in that belief that Penn state is a cult. Well, now Welcome to the cult, I guess.
1: I for you, I can I. I've talked with Paul Alexander in the office before. I think he went to Penn State, and I said that to him, and he went. It is. It's a fun cult, but it's a cult. <laughs> so
0: most most college colleges that have really good college football teams like Alabama, they're a little culty. Not gonna <laughs> yes. lie, they're a little culty, and every Saturday
1: is is the cult meeting in 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 the fall, so. Just with 100,000 of your cult members in Beaver Stadium. All of I will have to have Mason take me to a uh, Penn State hockey game, though. Those look like a lot of fun. They do. They do. But uh, I'm going
0: to finish this show off here with my call-out. Horwat, do you like to go to the movies? Eh. Eh. I, I figured. You're not a huge movie guy.
1: I went. Me and Megan went to see Elvis not that long ago, and it was mid. Okay. It, so. Did, did you just... Okay. I'm just going to skip
0: past the part where you just used the term mid. It was mid. Uh, what do you mean to say? <laughs> I'm going to call out the AMC movie theaters, because on Tuesday night, I didn't see the breaking news of Evgeny Malkin being signed immediately, because I was in the movie theaters and my phone was on Do Not Disturb, because I'm a good human being, and I went to see Thor Love and Thunder, because I like Marvel, I know you don't. Uh, I could could go into that, because I wasn't too pleased with the ending of that, but I won't spoil anything here, but uh, I walk into the theater, go to get my movie theater popcorn, which is usually one of the best parts of the movie theater. They tell me, Hey, we only have larges. Now I am not a huge human being. And I did end up going by myself because nobody else wanted to go on a Tuesday night at 9:30 at night. But I was like, okay, I guess I'll get the large popcorn, which means I had to spend $10 on popcorn, which is 30 cents for a bag. If you go to the grocery store. So already that's ridiculous. And then at this AMC, They don't butter your popcorn. You butter it yourself, which I like because I can put as much as I want in. But the butter is around the back of the concession stand, not close to the entrances so you can't see it, and hidden behind the giant Coca-Cola machines. Not a single one of the buttering stations was operable. So after I spent $10 on a large popcorn, I couldn't put any butter on it. I salted the absolute crap out of the the popcorn. But it just wasn't the same. Like, you, you go to the movies. I wanted a small because I knew I wasn't going to eat a large. And then I get no butter. And so I have to have salty popcorn. And you don't want to drink too much uh, too much Coke or whatever your drink of choice is. Because then you have to pee in the middle of it. And you have to hold it if you're me. I'm not a, I don't like to leave movie theaters. So it was overall not the best experience at the movies. And I'm just going to say it. If you have five or six buttering stations at least make sure one of them is operable.
1: <laughs> you know, I, you were going with the story about where the buttering station is. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. That sounds exactly like the one that I went to because I couldn't find it at first. Yeah. Um, you know, I also, whenever I get a large, I'm like, why did I do this to myself? I'm not going to eat all this. I yeah. get Elvis was a two and a half hour long movie, but like, I still didn't need all of it. I also got a hot dog, like a, like an absolute moron. Um, because that was soggy and not good and not worth it. But I was really hungry that day. I'd, like, just come home from work and hadn't eaten yet. But, you know, I, I get it. I get it. I, I was about <laughs> to ask if you salted it. Good. Gotta get oh, somewhere. Yeah. Gotta get the yeah, flavor
0: I'm, somewhere. I'm not a psychopath. Come on. <laughs> Eating um, just popcorn without salt or butter. Like, who does that?
1: I mean... Yeah, no, who does that?
0: No one. No one does that. Psychopaths, <laughs> Yeah, like you, I said. You,
1: when, when you said, uh amc theaters my first thought was that's all of them <laughs> that's yeah. every theater these days
0: but no there's a bunch of regal cinemas down here i go to a couple every once in a while or not a couple i go to one every once in a while whenever i don't want to spend ridiculous amounts of money
1: to go to a movie because they're cheaper it was what amc and fandango is that the other one i don't they think fandango is
0: fan? actually a movie theater i thought that was
1: a ticketing service oh it may have been and i don't even think that's a thing anymore amc has just cornered the market it's like uh, fanatics it's like Fanatics. they just cornered the market, and it's a monopoly, right? It's a monopoly that way. Yeah, yeah anyway. well, you're, you're right with the term monopoly. I don't know if Fanatics
0: is a monopoly, because you still have a, a deed. The monopoly on cheaper sports goods is, is basically what Fanatics has.
1: They're not yet a monopoly, but the owner I heard this in an interview recently basically said he wants it to be.
0: Well, that's not legal.
1: <laughs> he oh, said well. it and so... He, he didn't use the term monopoly, but he said he wants to basically... Be the one-stop shop for all sporting attire and
0: Okay. That sounds a little bit better than him just coming out and saying, I want to be a monopoly.
1: Correct. (laughs) And and honestly, every company wants to be the one-stop shop for all of the. the, the, You know? He just straight up said in an interview, I want fanatics to be the one place for like my Penn State Mm t-shirt, but everyone's knockoff jerseys, everyone's jerseys, everyone's this, that, the other yeah 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 suddenly i'm getting into fanatics talk because i'm still not the biggest fan of them but if he t- if if fanatics ends up doing that improve your product yeah yeah anyway this has gone fair. off the rails as a fair usual enough. wednesday morning episode will do with us because we're recording it a day early it happens
0: yeah fair enough but that is gonna do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg podcast hopefully none of this is outdated by the time it comes out tomorrow it if it is be if it is i will come out and record a separate one because horror will be on an aeroplane down to florida correct
1: yeah yeah uh going to florida that's why i had to wake up early and saw the malkin news early in the morning yeah and hopefully i'm recording our next episode next to a pool i will hate you but that might be
0: i mean i can go down to my community pool but there'll be like thirty thousand children behind me but that's gonna do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg podcast thank you so much for tuning in the boys are back in town the big three continues in the city of pittsburgh we'll see you guys next week have a great weekend penguins fans. you can follow the hosts on twitter at nick Horwatt 41 and at nick underscore Berlansky. you could also follow the show's twitter handle at iceberg podcast listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and insidethepenguins.com.